Roberts. I'm the arena announcer for the Utah Jazz. Time now to talk about the Utah Jazz and the NBA on the Salt Lake Tribune Jazz Podcast. How about this jazz? And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's meet Eric Walden, Andy Larson, and Joel Cardenas. Welcome back to the How About This Jazz Podcast. I'm Joel Cardenas, your co-host and moderator. Joining me is our Salt Lake Tribune Jazz beat writers, Andy Larson and Eric Walden. I don't know about you guys, but March Madness has started and my bracket is already done. I think like most Americans because Kentucky lost. But Andy, I think the other day, didn't you mention that like, did you do anything as far as, as did you mention as a middle schooler, you were doing like a bracket challenge thing or is that something else that I read? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, when I was, I guess I started the Andy Larson March Madness bracket challenge and let's see, this is the 18th annual Andy Larson March Madness Bracket Challenge. So I believe it is, I started when I was 12. Uh, and so, yeah, I've been, I've been running a pool for years now, decades. <laughs> and then when I was in high school, I think like 10th grade, I somehow got in the teacher's pool at the school I went to and uh, won that pool and took all their money. So that, that rule also. You know, uh, so this is a great time of year. That is so funny hearing you say that because when I was a ninth grader taking, what was it, like some history class at, at Kennedy Junior High School, or maybe it was, no, it was 10th grade year at Granger High School, West Valley City. There was there was a teacher's pool there. I had a history teacher who wasn't, he, he's like, I don't know anything about college basketball. He's like, I know you that you're a big sports fan. Can you help me out with this? So I do. I'm like, oh, go with this, go with this, you know, make my best educated guesses. He wins the teacher's pool, and I'm like, hey, so you're going to throw a little bit of that my way? He's like, no, that would be inappropriate because you are a student and you shouldn't be gambling. I'm like, I, I basically did. I'm like, you had me fill out your bracket for you, and you won. I'm like, you can't throw a little bit of that my way? No, inappropriate. So, I'm team him. <laughs> I'm sure you are. If you, wanted, if you wanted something, you know, you should have stipulated that at the beginning, not at the end. You yeah. win something, and then all these hangers on come around. Come well, on. I've learned. I've learned my lesson. Yeah, no, no freebies now. So, <laughs> I've only won one of these March Madness things once, and that was when I was at the College of Law. But I picked an obvious winner it was Louisville. But everything else, I got close enough, uh, and I won a fifty dollars certificate, which was nice, and also a certificate to we had like a little coffee shop. But I haven't won anything since then, and that was like when the Louisville won the national challenge in 2012, 2013. I don't know. And they're probably, you know, I picked Arizona. We'll see what happens. But uh, this week hasn't been that good in the sense of my Bulls lost to the Jazz, which let's get into the uh, the topics this week. So, you know, they beat the Kings on Saturday nights. They played tough against, the, you know, the Bucks at, at times. Then, you know, that championship pedigree, if you will, you know, I guess I'll say a Milwaukee comes through in the sense of close the game out, you know, close the game out. And that's something with all the respect that I feel like, Obviously, the Jazz still don't have, which Milwaukee does. But to the Jazz's credit, they beat my Bulls on Wednesday night. Donovan decided to just go crazy with threes. Uh, and, and the, you know, Alexander Walker <laughs> decided to make some threes also as well. As I was like, okay, thank you for showing up here <laughs> while my team is in town. What are your guys' takeaways from these past few games, uh, especially in particular the Milwaukee and the Chicago game? One obviously win, one a loss. What are your guys' thoughts? It was kind of disappointing to see the Milwaukee game turn out the way it did, just because Milwaukee's been such a great team, obviously defending champions. I feel like, you know, obviously they got off to a horrible start this season uh, with the with the 
injuries and absences that they had, but like they've now bounced back all the way up to, I think they're second in the East as of the time we're recording this. I feel like they've kind of gotten overlooked a little bit amid all the drama of Ben Simmons and the Sixers and James Harden and Kyrie Irving with the Nets. And it just seems like there's been like a lot going on. And like, if you can, if, if it's possible to overlook a really good team that's the defending champions with the guy who's playing on an MVP level, I feel like that's the case. So I was interested to see what the Jazz could do against them, even though, you know, they were shorthanded. Um, shooting six for 21 in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, with the game on the line was was a bit of a, a bummer. Um, you know, the, the Bucks put guys out there like Drew Holiday and Javon Carter and, um, you know, obviously Giannis and they switched a lot and like the Jazz once again, like, couldn't really do a whole lot against that style of, of aggressive in your face defense. So that was a little bit of a bummer for me. Uh, I'm sure Andy can break it down far more, far more eloquently and, and analytically than that. Yeah. I mean, look, Donovan was one for eight in the fourth quarter, right. Of the Milwaukee game. And you look at bucks and they just have multiple defensive weapons while still being a really quality offensive team. Um, thanks to their offense and, and honestly, some of their spacing too. So, you know, like, they can throw out lineups where they have Drew Holiday and Javon Carter and, uh, you know, uh, multiple really quality defenders. And the Jazz just don't really, you know, if, if Donovan's not making his shots, the Jazz don't have like a great answer for it. And, you know, in uh, most teams don't, right? Like that's why the Bucks won the NBA title, you know? So even the Phoenix Suns, right, ran into this defense and was like, you know, essentially – um, well, they lost, right? So, you know, I thought the Jazz played re- reasonably well in that game. You know, I think obviously there was a couple key mistakes and misses by Donovan, who I think had one of his worst clutch performances. Um, and then, you know, I think there were some mistakes by some of the role players on the team too. I think the Chicago game was so interesting. It was also interesting because that team had lost six of eight coming in and just haven't been playing very good basketball right now, you know? So as Joel shakes his head, you know, I, I think like, in the end, that was a game that the Jazz really, you know, were favored to win and should win because the Bulls aren't playing at their best because they're a little shorthanded. And then quite frankly, that, you know, they, they've been figured out a little bit on the offensive end in a way that, um, you know, if DeMar's not shooting incredibly, you can you can win a lot of games against them. And so I think, you know, the Jazz did what they had to do. And I think they, they did it in an impressive fashion without bogey. Yeah, the Chicago game, it was good to see the Jazz, like, take care of business, right? Like, they had another one of their... Or, or they were headed towards another one of their stretches in the fourth quarter where they had the double digit lead. They have a few bad possessions in a row, you know, a few turnovers, lax transition defense, a few missed assignments, blah, 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 on and on and on. Same old stuff. And next thing you know, the lead is down to four, right? And you're like, are we going to have this game seriously against a Chicago team that like they've been handling pretty, pretty well up to this point? It was good to see them like finally like, do their thing, like figure it out, you know, put their feet on the bull's throat, so to speak, to use that expression, and like quickly go on a 15-0 run to make it a 19-point lead and, and effectively, you know, game over at that point. So, I mean, this is what people have been clamoring for them to do for so long, right? Show a little bit of that killer instinct that's been that's been lacking. Can we say, you know, oh, it came against a depleted bull team? Sure, you know, but Previous double digit, you know, pre- right. previous losses where they've had double digit leads came against bad teams too. This they time also, 
they, they figured out a way to do it. And so that was, you know, it was good. Lost leads against far worse teams, right? Like right. they lost the lead to the Rockets. They lost the lead to the Lakers twice. I mean, like this yeah. is, it's, yeah. Um, so that they did win one is, and, and you know, was, was good. I, I, I thought they played well. And again, I think Nikhil Alexander Walker was promising. Um, and we'll see, you know, the, Faded, he may actually go into the Jazz's rotation in some some spot, even when healthy. You know, we'll see like what happens when Trent Forrest comes back. But I think that's an interesting subplot of, of the Chicago game. Yeah. And speaking of him, uh, Eric, you had a really great piece the other day talking about Alexander Walker and really this uh, this breakfast club that apparently is a thing that for some of us who maybe are not in the know or not obviously a practice did not know about. If you have not read it on sltrip.com, please do. But Eric, can you just give us like a little kind of just a little recap about it? And I mean, to score 16 points, like, yeah, obviously I was surprised being a fan of obviously the other team. And but maybe there is something for him to continue. Like this is going to help his growth. And it's something that's I, I don't know if it's too early to say in the offseason he'll be used as trade bait with Danny in charge. Who knows? But maybe it's a stepping stone in the right direction. Yeah. So. You know, NAW is a guy who, when the Jazz got him as part of the Joe Ingles deal, it seems like there was kind of a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff, right? Because they make the deal, and the word is that NAW, who's been averaging like 25 minutes a game for the New Orleans Pelicans, is going to be part of the Jazz's rotation. And then Quinn has other thoughts, you know, and and he basically... He gets like a couple minutes here and there. He's mostly playing in garbage time. Um, in his first seven appearances with the Jazz, he scored a total of nine points, right? So not getting much of a chance at all to show what he can do. And fans are kind of, you know, kind of rightly, like, what is going on? Like, this is a guy who theoretically, like, fits the the physical profile of what this team needs. A 6'5", 6'6", 205-pound guy who can guard multiple positions, why are we not giving him a chance to show what he can do? Well, a couple of shorthanded games later, like he's getting a chance in that Chicago game to do it and scores 14 of his 16 in the fourth quarter. And he's hitting threes and he's playing solid defense against the likes of Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. And yeah, post game, we're like, you know, where did this come from? And, and initially he's humble, you know, like, oh, I was just getting really open looks because they were so focused on Donovan. But then he brings up this breakfast club, right? What is the breakfast club? Who is the breakfast club? And, you know, he goes on to mention that basically uh, himself, Jared Butler, Juancho Hernan Gomez, new two-way guy, Xavier Sneed, and uh, that, that, that a lot of the young guys, a lot of the new guys on the team, a lot of the guys who aren't getting consistent minutes have been working out with uh, assistant coaches and staffers like Keon Dueling, like Brian Bailey, Jeff Watkinson, Sanjay Lumpkin, basically on game days and, and even some other days, like showing up an hour and a half, two hours ahead of when the Jazz's regularly scheduled practices and shoot arounds uh, happen so that they can get in some extra work, so that they can get up some extra shots, so that they're like, can work on some skill development. And so it's a pretty cool story in that, like, we always talk about like, oh, guys need to put in extra work if they want to make it. Well, like, here's like a definitive example of these guys, you know, two hours before practice. And and Donovan, you know, mentioned this group of guys after he's like, Wancho airballed a three in that Chicago game, right? And Don said, hey, you know, considering that you worked out four times before the game even happened, we'll give you a pass on that one. So um, these guys are putting in work. 
that doesn't necessarily mean that any or all of them will turn out, but it was a cool opportunity to see like NAW get some run and to see him like actually produce and, and show that, you know, he might well be a guy who deserves more minutes down the stretch, you know, whether, you know, and, and I don't know if it'll be a huge role, especially once, as Andy mentioned, you know, once Trent Forrest is back, once Boyan is back, once Daniel House is back, and, and we don't know the extent to which these guys are going to be out, but certainly once they come back, like there's far fewer minutes available, right? But he might just have done enough, like in, in that one stretch to convince Quinn Snyder to say, we need to find a way to carve out some extra minutes for him to give him more opportunities to do stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, you know, and we'll see. Like, I think he's going about it in the right way of, of kind of getting Quinn to trust him a little bit, right? And clearly Quinn did not trust him at all upon the initial trade. And, and you know, honestly, when I was watching film of him in, in New Orleans, I understood that, you know, like he made some of the worst decisions I've ever seen anyone make on a, an NBA basketball court. And like, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude there. Like that's just physically what was happening. Like there was just kind of no denying it. He's made better decisions since becoming a jazz man. And like, I, I've been kind of impressed with his ability to make plays and pick and roll. You know, I, I don't think there have been like a tremendous amount of bad shots. I think, you know, in some of the early games when he was kind of only playing in garbage time, it was a little bit, you know, we saw some of that kind of Jordan Clarkson-esque shot um, selection that you can only get away with if you make shots at a high level, which Nikhil wasn't. But, you know, I think the turning point game for me was actually when he did play the entire fourth quarter and and got five assists in that, in, in that fourth quarter, right? So, um, and, and zero points, right? Like, just didn't shoot, just looked to set up teammates and just kind of make the right play. And it's like, okay, this is the Nikhil Alexander-Walker that I saw when he was a prospect, right? When he was entering the NBA draft. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're starting to see some of that in real minutes, you know, in especially against Chicago in the fourth quarter. So I'm really kind of encouraged by that. We'll see what happens, you know, like could be a good game, bad game kind of situation. And, but, uh, and, and Quinn loves Trent Forrest, right? Like Quinn really, really loves Trent Forrest. But uh, in my opinion, you know, Trent, whether or not Trent can play in the playoffs is an open question given his complete lack of a jumper and Nikhil can shoot a little bit. So like, I, I think ultimately if I had to choose, I probably play Nikhil there and just, Tell them to kind of, again, keep it simple, make easy choices. Don't take tough shots, but take the easy ones. And, you know, in a way that probably Trent isn't capable of. And I, you know, I think that there's, there could be really be a role for him in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, just one last thought, like, you know, it, it was interesting when we talked to um, Nikhil, it was after a game last week. I think it was, it was after the Portland game where the jazz had like just blown out this, you know, horribly depleted Blazers team. And, um, you know, we, we talked to him and we're like, okay, it's been a little bit since we've gotten a chat with you. How are things going? You know, what's, what's your progress been like? And we brought up, you know, the, the inevitable Quinn thick as a dictionary playbook. And Nikhil said, you know, not only thick as a dictionary, but like actually like a dictionary in that, like, it's full of words that I don't know. Right. Like it's a process and and everyone who comes in mentions what a process it is to get to learn just the the basic terminology of things that they're doing out on the court and so this is part of his learning process you know to andy's point like quinn was probably justified in in not trusting him out on the court when he first arrived and now that he's had you know a month or whatever it's been month and a half to like kind of absorb things and learn how they do things here 
you're seeing the, the light bulb come on a little bit for him, uh, just in terms of that playmaking, the game with the five assists in the quarter, um, in terms of taking the right shots in the Chicago game, uh, not forcing things. So if he can keep that up, yeah, I, I, I think that if it becomes a, a Trent versus Nikhil situation, probably Quinn right now is a little more disposed to default to Trent, but there's no denying that, that Nikhil's probably got a higher ceiling and is ultimately capable of more. It's just going to be a question of does Quinn feel comfortable of deploying him in those situations? Totally. Before we talk a little bit about the upcoming road trip for the Jazz, Eric, another piece that I that I read of uh, one of your pieces, and I just wanted to just get this question out because I, I it kind of confused me a little bit, and I want to get your guys' thoughts. So uh, when you wrote, Eric, a piece about uh, Rudy Gay and Sibley being going to turn the season around, there's a quote by Quinn Snyder I found really interesting. The one that he said, we're still learning. I know it sounds crazy to say because we're in March. Now, I'm not trying to be like – Maybe that was just meant for Rudy Gay. Was that do you think meant for Rudy Gay? Or was that meant for as the whole team? That specific comment was was said after a game in which the Jazz like I I think that they had blown another lead, or maybe they had hung on. I forget exactly what game that was. It was a relatively recent one, and it was like kind of meant for the team as a whole. Basically, like I think it was after a Dallas game. Okay, because and, and 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 it was basically you know we've got to figure out that like, we don't always have to do the same thing. Like we can do different things at different times to take advantage of different situations. Well, that makes sense because for me, when I read that, I'm like, yeah, it is March, but so then why is the tardiness? Is it just the injuries? Cause I mean, obviously the jazz had what a terrific December, then January, it all kind of went crazy, but I don't know. It feels like we hear a lot of times from players. We just got to get it together. We just got, and I know that's kind of, that's a sports cliche or, or whatnot, but at least can you guys answer the question, if not just for me, for other fans being like, what has been the tardiness of quote unquote, getting it together? And do you guys honestly feel like they have gotten it together right now? I mean, no, we haven't seen uh, to me like consistently good play, right? Like I, I think, and you know, we'll see what happens on the road trip and it's, it's obviously hard to play consistently, but like a, no, they haven't gotten it together. B I think, you know, injuries are part of that too, right? Like no Mitchell, no Bogdanovich just, you know, does make stuff hard. I, I think even Daniel House is a big miss. I, I, I think, like, the other real possibility here is that, like, they're just less good than last year. And, like, they just have the, the some of the players have aged in such a way that they're not as good as they were last year. Um, the cohesion is not what it was last year. And so, as a result, like, it's not going to happen, right? So, uh, you know, and, you know, you can say, hey, you can say all the right things of, hey, we're trying here. You know, I'm trying Jennifer in CJ McCollum parlance but like ultimately their best effort may just not be enough you know so I, I don't know like I I think it's clear that there's still like making some dumb mistakes at times but th- you know that may just be who they are I, I like I, I think they can play better and it's it's going to be interesting to see but like I you know I, I I don't know that I have a lot of answers beyond what they said because you know I obviously you're you're completely right like they haven't put together you know, a solid stretch of games this season, you know, even when they, even when they won like nine out of 10 or whatever it was, like it was, there was some really kind of sketchy stuff in there too. You know, when, when you actually watch them, they're not running away from teams like they did last year. Yeah. So I don't have anything of great substance to add like team wise beyond what Andy already said. So I'll tailor my comments more specifically to Rudy Gay, since that's what, you know, that was the, the guy who, 
you know, the, the story I wrote about that that quote was in, how much do I think that like him missing games is, is the, you know, has led to what we're seeing from him now? I think it's a factor. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's the only factor. I mean, there's no getting around. Like, like when we found out that he had the heel surgery, right? It came as a surprise to us. I think it, I think it came as a surprise to some people in the jazz organization that this was happening. And then when we finally got to talk to him and, and kind of, you know, try to suss out what happened, like he mentioned, like this had been a problem for years. He finally felt like this was the summer to address it. And it was a significant enough surgery that he used the line. I had to teach myself how to walk again. So maybe there's a bit of dramatic license in there. Maybe there's a bit of hyperbole, or maybe that's like completely accurate. And like, he had to spend several weeks, like physically just like getting back to being able to walk. And if that's the case, then yeah, like everything else is, is kind of, you know, the timeline is, is, is pushed way down the road and like, he's got a great excuse. I don't know that I fully buy that. Right. I, I think there's a component to it of you can say he's 30, however many years old, he's in his 16th season in the league. Like there might just be a little more physical decline to his game than, than what the jazz had hoped for when they signed him to this contract. I I also frankly, like don't think that the San Antonio version of Rudy Gay is solves that many problems for the jazz. Like this was kind of my problem with the signing was less like, I mean, some of it was like, hey, you're just signing up for a a 35-year-old for three years. Like, there's just going to be age-related decline in there. But, like, to me, the bigger issue was, like, you – what just happened in the the Clipper series was about perimeter defense and not being able to stay in front. I think Rudy Gay is decent at that, but, like, he is no stopper. He is not, like – you know, you talk to people in San Antonio and they criticize his defense, you know, and in his perimeter defense. They were like, you know – is good down low. And I think we've seen that in the jazz uniform too, but like, no, he can't keep the quickest guards in front of him anymore. You know, like, and that was the San Antonio version of Rudy Gay. So now you're getting after heel surgery plus age related decline Rudy Gay. And it's like, well, yeah, like, uh, you know, of course, I, I guess that was kind of my problem from the beginning is if, if you want to add the things that this team needs, which was length, defensive um, qualities, rebounding, you know, the kind of the stuff that, you know, Nick Batum adds for the, for the Clippers or whatever it is, you know, like some of the best role players in the league, Rudy Gay is not the answer there, you know, like Rudy Gay is just a different kind of player. Um, and so, you know, I would have gone in like an Otto Porter direction. Now, I don't know if Otto Porter would sign for the Jazz like he did for the Warriors, but like, you know, the Jazz offered him, could offer him more money. So like, anyway, it's, I just didn't think that kind of from the beginning that this was going to be the salve that I think Jazz fans hoped it would be i thought that was kind of like wish casting more than like realistic forecasting of what rudy gay could be last topic let's talk a little bit about the longest road trip of the season coming up so six games uh, right now as of this recording the jazz are in the fourth seed but you know you got dallas you got denver right there minnesota's not too far off about four in the loss column but just one or excuse me two uh in the win column behind so they're all bunched up there coming up the road trip so east coast with one stop in the west or I guess one in the Midwest and then West starting off with with the New York teams, Boston, as far as the second half of this, of the road trip, we'll talk about that for next week, especially the Dallas game, which is not this Sunday, but next Sunday, the 27th, we'll save that for a conversation next week. But I did want to highlight two matchups this week. So Brooklyn and Boston, which I think are the better, if you will. Yeah. They got the Knicks on Sunday, but yeah, but uh, just want to talk a little bit about those two. So 
it'll be in Brooklyn. So that means unless it changes in the next few hours, no Kyrie. Uh, but I, I don't think I, what I mean changes is like New York City restrictions, things like that. That's not going to change for now, at least. Uh, and then you got Boston who, yeah, they've been obviously the second half of the season and not just all-star break, even before the all-star break have been creeping up. I mean, they're fourth as of this recording tied with Philly. Uh, just guys, just want to get your thoughts on, you know, the first half of this road trip and, and what are you looking for? And particularly those matches between Brooklyn and Boston. Yeah, obviously fascinating. And I'm, I'm really excited to go on this trip. Um, I think the, you know, it's, it's tough um, because of the back-to-back in New York, but I I think uh, obviously Kyrie, how the jazz guard Kyrie is going to be extremely interesting. And we've seen what he's done in the last week. Can the jazz, you know, last year he torched the jazz. Can the jazz kind of like stay in front? Can they force him into tough shots? And then, you know, if he makes tough shots, you tip your cap and say, Hey, you know, just very good player. I, I think Boston is probably a better matchup because the jazz defend bigger wings better than they do smaller guards. And so I think that they can have answers for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but that is the league's best defense right now because of how much they switch um, because they are kind of there for each other at the right times. And so again, I'm kind of interested from an offensive point of view more in that game of, Hey, how did the jazz uh, run their offense? Can they continue to get their corner threes and so on and so forth uh, despite this really excellent defense? You know, and then I think probably the most impactful game of the series is the Dallas game, right? You know, obviously somewhat tiebreaker determining. Now, if the Jazz lose that game, they still would hold tiebreaker for now because of the division uh, lead that they have over the Denver Nuggets. But that, too, is, is is shrinking. So, like, can the Jazz stay in front of the Nuggets? And it obviously just very, very nice to, to beat the, the Mavs. And if that is the playoff matchup, you know, I, I, there have been so many kind of interesting strategic tweaks that we've seen in those first three games, especially the last two, you know, is there more in store there? Do the jazz kind of figure out more on the pick and roll? Can Dallas figure out how to again, stop the three point attack in significant ways. So anyway, I, I think that's a very interesting game. And then, you know, I, I do think like the Clippers game at the end of this, at the end of the road trip, even though it's at the end of a road, you know, six game road trip, they're just going to be exhausted. But, you know, I, I still think it's an interesting test because of what the Clippers did to the jazz last year and, and can the jazz, you know, show off that they've changed it all, you know? So I think ultimately, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's the best and most interesting road trip of the year and I'm glad I'm going on it and neener, 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 neener that Eric is not. That was very mature of you. First of yep. all, that's what you're known for though. So this is, this is the person who people are trusting with their COVID information and you know, their, their small gripes or whatever. <laughs> this is the guy who we're trusting to give us airport, moving walkway information. Thanks to Revita. X only. Neener, neener, neener. Yeah, it's a great road trip, and, and it's going to tell us a lot, right? Like, I don't know that the Knicks game will tell us a lot unless the, Jazz, unless the Jazz start off with a loss there. That might tell us something. Nets will be a fun one. No Kyrie, obviously, and I'm presuming no Ben Simmons just because Ben Simmons. But KD's good, and they still have talent on that team. So, like, and second night of a back-to-back. Let's see how that goes. Charlotte, I don't know, again, that there's a whole lot to be intuited from the game against Charlotte, unless they find a way to blow it. But yeah, then getting on to, oh, I skipped Boston. Boston's a great one. Is Boston first in the NBA in defense since the All-Star break, I think I read? Yeah, that's going to be an awesome game. Uh, They've also got two guys who are theoretically in competition with Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year. So we'll get an up-close look at Marcus Smart, who we've seen before. Um, but who's great and who 
a lot of jazz fans were pining after around the trade deadline when, you know, the Celtics weren't doing so great. Um, and also Robert Williams, who is a guy who fans may not know as well, but who's also getting a lot of, um, Time Lord. Lot of buzz. sorry, Time Lord. That's his yeah. name. Time Lord. Yes. That's the guy. So yeah, I'm looking forward to see. And I feel like, uh, Jalen Brown gets a little underrated as well. Like doesn't get properly appreciated for what he does there. He's a big part of that system as well. Um, I just point out that I actually don't know if Boston's been the number one team defensively since the All-Star break, but they've been the number one team defensively this NBA season, so I'll take that. Well, there you go. Even better. Mavs game is huge. Clippers game could be big. It's it's a great trip. It's going to be a long trip. Between Andy having finished up the recent five-game one and now having the six-game one, um, he'll be paying rent for a month for basically no reason. Uh, won't be at home at all. Yep. I'll come house sit for you, Andy. I won't. <laughs> you don't want you don't want me house sitting for you but um mostly um andy's neener 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 bs side like i am going to be bummed to be away from the team that long because it's it'll wind up being what like a 10 11 12 day trip depending on your travel schedule yeah um, and that's a long time to be like not in like the physical presence of of guys on this basketball team uh, just like doing stuff on Zoom, you don't get the same interactions. So well, you're gonna write such great articles while you know while you have the time. I do have I do have some things that I'm working on at this moment that uh, I will have more time to work on next week as a result. So yeah, uh, people should stay tuned for that for sure. Last question. Well, one question for both of you guys, and then two questions really for Andy. So for both of you guys, if the Jazz go 500 or above, the Jazz go just 500. Is that a considered success? How about that? All right. If the Jazz can success and then the they go three and three on the road trip, is it good? Is it good? No, I think you still, I think, you know, if you are the team that you uh, say that you are, you should be winning, you know, so you should be winning more than three of the games, you know, like I understand that it's a tough road trip, but like the Knicks are very easy opponents. The Hornets are a very easy opponent. Like I, I you know, I just think that like, and, and you should win, you know, two out of the four difficult matchups, you know, like you have more wins on the season than Boston does. You have more wins on the season than Dallas does, you know, like, I, well, tied, but you know, so like these are teams that you should have like 50% chance uh, odds of beating. And, you know, I think you should win half of those games and then win the easy ones. So I, I guess, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to see what the injury situation is like, because if That's they go trip with still no boy on, and if Donovan is out for, you know, multiple games, that's obviously trouble. If if they're mostly at or or close to full strength, then yeah, I want to see I want to see at least four and two. Then my last question. This is more for Andy since he's going on a trip. So when it comes to a trip like this, this means no carry on. This means checking in a bag because you got yeah. Most- I I I gotta say I think I'm gonna check a bag, which I never have done before. When I went on my around the world trip for 34 days, I didn't check a bag. I used the carry on the whole time. That was mostly to save money, but like I'm a big carry on guy. But like I I think the difference was on that trip I did I could do laundry, and it's just harder to do laundry on a jazz trip. And so you know I'm not staying in like hostels with laundry situations like I was on that trip. So yeah, that's I think I'm gonna actually check a bag, which is crazy. Eric, do you usually just do carry on as well? Or do you check in when you do road trips? I always just do carry on. Honestly, my I don't have like a huge gigantic suitcase, so a trip like this would be I, I would have to get creative and like really kind of stuff a lot of clothes in there. But the only the only time that I wind up checking my bag is like when 
the people at the airport come over to the intercom and they're like, we are definitely going to run out of overhead bin space and we need people to check some bags and we'll offer whatever. Like in those cases, like if I'm not like in a rush to make it to a place, I'll be like, okay, fine. Usually I'll do it like when I'm coming to Salt Lake, uh, especially because like if they messed up something with my bag somehow for some reason, I can at least go home and have like more clothes available. I'm a little loath to do it on the road, especially like early in the trip where it's like if they mess up my luggage, like I don't want to have to wear the same clothes for multiple days and or have to go out and like spend a bunch of money to buy new clothes. Right. So I try to avoid it as much as I can. But yeah, in certain situations, I'll, I'll check a bag. But um, that makes sense. I'm usually a pretty good packer and can fit a lot of stuff in my suitcase. So. So what we'll do one of these days, maybe after the season, we'll do a video. We could post it on social.com. We could have a video of you guys just packing, how to pack for a road trip, packing the most stuff into a small little one. Because some people have not perfected it. And I'm one of those people that have not perfected the packing like four days or five days worth of stuff into a backpack. And, yeah. some, and some people are Tony Jones who just never bring enough clothes for long road trips and then have to beg you for uh, money so that they can go hit up a laundromat midway that, through. Did that happen? Oh, this happened. Yes. I didn't hear the story. Oh, this no. was a four-game trip in December. I forget what all was on it, but uh, we were in Cleveland. And Tony, he always brings like a backpack and he's not had like I don't know if he doesn't own like a legit suitcase or if he's just averse to bringing it, but like a lot of times he brings like, like a duffel bag type thing or, or like a, a gym bag. Like it doesn't even like have a zipper on it. Right. So, and we know that Tony is also known for like using up a lot of his backpack space by bringing his video game system on the road. So this was going to be like a fairly lengthy trip, like more than a week. And we see Tony come on the plane with his backpack and with this other small bag. And I'm like, do you have enough clothes for the week? And he's like, I'm going to do laundry midweek. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, why don't you just bring more clothes? Like you, you should be able, like, this shouldn't be, it, it wasn't so long that he shouldn't have been able to do that. Right. Like in my regularly sized suitcase, I had plenty of room. So anyway, we're in Cleveland midweek. He's like, he, he comes up to me. He's like, yo, um, I ain't got enough clean clothes. I gotta, I gotta go hit a laundromat. Can you give me five bucks? And I'm like, I'm like, Tony, I don't have five dollars on me. For one, for two, you still owe me fifty dollars for that other thing. So you're just so, gonna have to think. Was this this season? Yes. Cleveland was the first, and this happened in Cleveland. That's my recollection. Okay, I, Cleveland was the first stop on this road trip. Okay, so <laughs> Cleveland was the beginning of the road trip at some point during the road trip okay okay i just yeah. i wanted to know if he did this on the first day no it was not it was not on the first day it was like halfway it was like halfway through okay yeah so as i recall for our you know adult friend tony jones but yeah. well. he was he was admittedly spending a couple days in cleveland because i guess he's got some extended family out there so he went out ahead of time but yeah at some point midway through that trip he's like uh i, I ran out of clean clothes i didn't bring enough with me can you give me five bucks to go to the laundromat? I'm like, I don't have five bucks. And if I did, I still wouldn't help you out because you owe me 50. I'm like, right. so plan better next time. <laughs> if I'd have had five bucks, I probably would have helped him out, but I would have let him hear about it until the end of time. And to his credit, he's now paid me back 45 of the $50 that he 
So I'm in better shape than most people who do business with Tony Jones. Uh, <laughs> good times on the road, man. Good times. Hopefully you get those five bucks soon before at least the end of the season. Right. <laughs> um, Andy, Eric, always a pleasure. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already playoffs are coming up. We'll definitely have a lot to talk about. We'll have more podcasts, a little bit shorter, but we'll have obviously game recaps and you know what to look forward to in the uh, in the playoffs and during the playoffs as well. You can find us on social media. I'm at Shwet Karanas. I'm at Andy B. Larson. And I'm at Tribjazz. Neener, neener, neener. <laughs> Until next time. See ya.